Hey, welcome back everyone to the Reflex Blue Show. I'm your host Donovan Beery and I'm with George Garastegui Jr. Hello. Hey, and you are host of a uh, big of the AIGA podcast of some sort. No, I'm a host of my own Works and Process podcast. Oh, Works and Process. Okay, but it's the AIGA. No, so it's I mean it's my own, and I've actually moderated and chaired AIGA's previous design and business conferences this year and last year. Oh, I got you. I just knew there was some connection. Yeah, so there's a connection because I've been part of the DEI task force for AIGA and things like that. But I think that's where the confusion is. But yeah, it's my own podcast that I do just kind of interviewing creative people about their process. Where do, where do people go to find this? So either WIP.show or Works in Process on Apple, Spotify, and everything like that. And by the way, we're still at the On Brand Conference Definitely. here in Omaha. we got to thank... AIGA, AAF, PRSA, and AMA in some sort of order. I'm not sure if there's a... If I don't know what the pecking order, order is, but yeah, definitely got to thank them because they were able to get me out here. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, they, and they once again sold out. You can, you can start to hear everyone's gathering after the breakout session and getting ready to go to lunch. We might have a little ambiance here. Yeah, yeah, I like that. The background noise. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully it won't drown us out. No, no, I think we speak sudden, loud. So if this podcast is like three minutes long, it's because we cut <laughs> everything while people were out here. And we just have the, the end of the show where we're like, yeah. hey, what are we having for lunch? And that'll be it. <laughs> that would be it. What is for lunch? I don't know. I don't know. Surprises are good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is, we're at the Scott Center. And when I've eaten here before, they've had the paper show, but it's been more of a buffet at that time. But I think they didn't really have tables. No, I saw people like actually putting like individual plates on everybody, on the tables. Yeah, my guess is that's what's going to happen. I think the other conferences or the things I've been at here, they they've done the they feel paper did a paper show here, and I think okay. because people come and go, you can't just set out plates and be right, like, right. oh, someone's going to be here in an hour, and they'll you don't want to you don't want to play. No, 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 exactly. So it's just some big buffet. But these conference centers, they, they adapt. Exactly, exactly. I love it. I mean, the energy is, is what you really come back for a conference for, right? I think we've been cooped up and, and doing virtual for so long that being able to hear people and overhear things and you're going to pick up some stuff that, you know, we have no idea what's going to be on the top mic, but I think that's what you come to a conference for. And when it comes to virtual conferences, I think we spoke briefly earlier, yeah. but the AIG National is doing their portfolio festival again. Right. And we had... Paul and Susan are big into it on the podcast last year talking about it. And I actually talked to Paul Mendoza on Monday. Nice. Because it's, it's going on today. But, exactly. but then yesterday and then tomorrow, I've actually been doing breakout. Oh, been cool. one, of the, one of the breakout portfolio reviewers. Nice. nice. But when I was telling Paul about this event going on on my <laughs> off day, he looked it up. And first off, like a lot of people... He says, like, it's great that these four organizations come together because there is a lot of overlap. And in most communities, they, they're, they're very, very separate. Si- yeah, they're very siloed. And also he mentioned, oh, George is there. And I think it immediately elevated this conference <laughs> to where, you know, it's like if George is there, it's got to be a real conference is the impression I got. No, no. It's always definitely a real conference. And I'm just glad that he... he he thought of that with me, but I, you know, well, I don't I've, know if he, I mean, that was just like, it was like immediate, I don't, he didn't say that, but he was like, oh, George is speaking, like. I know, me and Paul go back because he's done a lot of the virtual stuff and really helped kind of jazz, almost to bring this very like ambience energy, but to a virtual format. 
right? And it's very hard to do that. And with, with Paul's like energy and in breakout rooms and stuff on virtual platforms, it's been able to kind of create this same symbiotic like atmosphere, which is really interesting. And so it's glad <laughs> I find it really humbling that Paul was like, oh, okay, if it's got to be something because I'm there, that's fun to hear. And I will say, the, the Portfolio Festival is the, I think it might be the only virtual one I've really done other than a few minor things, and it's, it's been run great, so. The, the amazing ideas that they're putting on virtually and trying to, I think the best thing about virtual is that we're no longer tied into a location, right? You don't have to worry about, oh, you know, like the, the Seattle conference that's going to happen. You got to be in Seattle, right? Now it's like, you can be anywhere and be a part of these conferences. And I think that was one of the issues that maybe people thought about was like, I want to go to these conferences, right? But I can't actually get to the location. Well, I went to school in Kearney, Nebraska, which is like three hours from here. Okay. And there aren't events there. There's nothing. Right. And and then I live here in Omaha. It's not like we are an hour away from other, we're an hour away from Lincoln. Yeah. Two hours from Des Moines. Kansas City, you get to three hours. And after that, we're talking all day drives. Right. So there's a large community. If, if you if you have a specialization you want to go to an event at, you have to travel, travel. Yeah. Like, I'm always jealous of people on the East Coast because I get the perception that, oh, I have like five major markets within a two-hour ride. And yeah. I mean, when you're on, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're not driving, you take a train, you can go to Boston in four hours. You can go to Philly in two hours. You can go to D.C. in four hours. Right? So theoretically, you can make a day out of it, really, and go down for four hours, then do your thing and come back. Right? So it is, we do have a little bit of, things are a lot closer on yeah. the East Coast than, you know, like you said, driving two, three, four hours, and, you know, it's just that specific thing. Right. I'm, our day trip, the, the, you can do Kansas City as a day trip, hit like three spots, come back. All right. And outside of that, that's it. I know. So that's the first bigger market we can hit <laughs> okay. within a one day there and back. Kansas City. Maybe the only one <laughs> that's larger than Omaha. Okay. Because Minneapolis, which would be your next one, I mean, that's that's yeah. That's like six hours. Yeah, that's definitely, way. that's a stay over. I, I would assume, yeah, unless unless you, unless you have insomnia. Some people like to drive that long. Yeah. And my dad used to drive from New York to Florida in a day. Like 17 hours straight, I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, just give me a cup of coffee or multiple cups of coffee, and I'm going to hit it. And I'm like, that's just too much. Let's go back on brand. You are brought in. You're, you're the closer. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, once George walks off stage, they're like, there's no more. It's happy hour. Well, yeah, but that's what I mean. I mean they're like, they're like... But they're even, they're even vacating this premise. They're like, everyone's out, nothing more. Is there life. a mic we can like officially drop to be like, it's a, it's, a bit, it's over? I think, uh, it looks like a mic's attached to the All podium right. from what I'm seeing, but I okay. think you can rip it off and throw it on the ground. I then, and then I have to pay for it. It depends on how fast you get out of here. You look pretty quick. I know, but there's a lot of people going to be in front of me to like, okay. <laughs> they may stop me on the way out. All right, well, we're going to scout the exit plans, and we'll be right back. <laughs> so, George, talk about the Works in Process podcast. What, what's what's the, uh, the, you, the you host? How long have you been doing this? Actually, I've been hosting since 2017, and you'll, you'll hear about it a little bit during um, my conversation. But in reality, it was it started as a 
a way for me to, as an educator, you have to do kind of research projects and things like that. And research in education tends to be publishing, which tends to be writing. And so all those things are not in my wheelhouse. So when you know I went and tried to figure out how to be a better writer, I realized that it wasn't really my cup of tea. And I really had, like we're doing right now, better conversations and learn more about people through these conversations. And during my DEI um, work, I was actually, one of the outgoing um, board members was Maurice Cherry from the Revision Path podcast. And Maurice has been doing, right now, I think he's at 480 episodes so far. He's got at least 10 episodes in the um, Smithsonian Museum for um, African American History. So he's been doing it a long time. They put podcasts in museums? Yep. Oh, man. I'm, okay. So he's got 10 episodes. 10 of his episodes are officially part of the archive of that Smithsonian Museum. So I asked him about this idea, and I think he was like, you have something with... I was trying to start focusing, like, we, we all tend to focus on, as designers, right? I'm a graphic designer, so we focus on the work. Work on the end, end goal, right? That gets the accolades. That gets what people see. That's what gets likes, right? And I'm actually more interested in how that thing was made versus just the end result. And so I wanted to start talking to people about how they do the work that they do and really make that the focus of my podcast versus just, oh, cool, because I can see that on your website. I can find it on your YouTube channel. I can actually look at your Instagram and see everything finished. But I don't know the thinking behind it. I don't know what decisions you made to get there. And to me, I think, as an educator, I think that was one of the things that really interested me because if I can start to align how people do their work, my students can see that there's actually not one opportunity to reach a goal. The goal is out there, but you can actually make it more personal. Oh, that's And how do you go about your work? How do I go about my work? Yeah. It's interesting. I'm even getting ready for this talk. It's a lot of just do first. Right? Get all the ideas out of your head because I think when you keep ideas in your head, they're precious. They always feel like they're the perfect little thing. And then when you put it on paper or record your audio or design and put type on a paper, you're like, really? That's what I thought was the most amazing thing in my head? So I think the first thing I do is I have to get it out. Because if I don't, I feel like it's, it's, it's too precious to let anybody see what's going on. So I always either just, like my artboards and illustrations are ridiculous. They're just all over the place. Because I'm just thinking basically out loud, right? It's like when somebody talks out loud, I'm actually doing that on the computer. New type, new type, put it on the side, and just seeing what sticks, right? So it's that idea of throwing something on the wall and see what sticks. That's what I kind of focus on first. And then it's about editing. Looking at what's good. Why does that, like, why do I feel that that looks good? I don't know what that means yet, but there's a feeling, a gut. Okay, I'm going to put that on like this reserve section, you know, and start editing from there, right? And what I was doing with this conference was like, what the hell am I going to talk about? And so what I started doing was just started talking and seeing where the conversation naturally took me because I didn't want to have a, some kind of like canned answer and this is what you talk about. I wanted to feel natural and have a response. So I kind of started doing that and then listening to what I talk about and go, oh, that's what I'm actually interested in. That's what I've been talking about more instead of maybe writing and going, well, that sounds good to somebody, right? That's what, you know, the AAF wants to hear, right? And then I'm building into somebody else's idea of what I think they should be talking about versus being like, this is what I talk about. I'm actually going to be more informed 
and more interested in talking about this topic. So I've kind of been doing that, and then once I started figuring out what my ideas were, started building structure around that. So especially for that, for this talk, this is the way I've been thinking about it. What is the talk? What is the talk about? Then? So the talk is about. And by I mean, the way, this is all in the past, so you don't have to worry. Like, like. Oh, no, I just look not, at that because this is way for me to like. No, I know. No, I mean you don't have to worry that all of a sudden people are like, oh, I don't want to hear that talk. They've already heard it. They don't get a choice. <laughs> There's, there's nothing against you. It's not a breakout session. Right. You're, you're the main stage. You're <laughs> so, there, I mean, the talk is... So when we think about what all the, the four organizations that are bringing people to here together, right? Advertising, marketing, PR, and design. We talk about companies. We talk about the work we do. Right? I kind of want to talk about the individual. You. Right? Why we're here. And so the, the talk was about um, finding your niche. And I think... The idea of finding your niche is really understanding that we all bring something to the table and how do we start focusing on what we do, not for brands and clients and all that, but what we do for us and how do we differentiate ourselves? How do we start thinking about why we're in the room in the first place so that we could look at ourselves as having not so much of attachment to these titles that we're so used to, right? I'm a creative director, I'm an art director, I'm a producer, right? Cool, but those are, those are just what you do. They don't really describe what you're into. They don't say how good you are at those things. So there's a lot of other intangible things that come with it and I want people to like realize that those are the things that people are coming to see you about. I'm talking about a podcast, but my actual job is I'm an educator. I'm not here to talk about education. I'm here to talk about my podcast because that's what I'm into. That's what I actually do and that's what I actually kind of find joy in. So I think when you see that, people are actually coming for you for these other things that you do that are not necessarily where your job is. Sure. And what, what's the big takeaway you want that for someone to get from this? I think the big thing is that we focus on the what. I do this, I do that, I am this label, I am this title. And to me, in my experiences, the hows and whys we do the things we do are actually more important. The what methods you use to get to that, what design decisions, what creative decisions have you been using to get to those goals? And then the reasons why we do these in the first place. Do you have, do you wanna make sure that students get access. We just listened to Kenny Thacker earlier talking about access and opportunity. Do you want to make sure that your students have those those skills and those tools? Or do you want to make sure they just get a job? Right? So I think there the, one of the big things is that if we start to shift the focus from only focusing on what we do, it's very limiting. So let's start focusing on how we actually get there and why we want to do this work in the first place. And if we start giving more attention to those two things, it's gonna give the what we do more meaning. So I want us to almost shift the way we think from that what kind of thing to the hows and whys. And job titles are so weird because a lot of it is just based on how big of the company you're at. Right. Like I'm in a, I'm in a very small company, so you do everything. Right. But at a big company, you're like, or sometimes you're an ad agency, it's like, are you, are you a VP? Is that just because you talk to other execs? Right. Like, and so what title would you give yourself? Owner. Okay, owner. Per, I don't know, right. Person. So when I when I, I had a I had, a, I had someone who worked for me once asked what his title was and I was like, well, I'm employer, you're employee. <laughs> but but isn't the but, isn't the but I'm like I'm like I don't care. Yeah. Well, I think people do care because it's actually what people. But there's what only status. two of us in the office. Right. Like 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 I'm like, you know, 
I know. Call yourself what you want. Right. But I think that when we focus on LinkedIn, our resumes, we need some type of title. Yeah, I, I, I get I get that part. Yeah. Right? But so we're locked into that idea of the title is who I am. But if I asked you what you did in that role, right, owner, cool. That means you have the money. You have the structure. You have the building. But that doesn't tell me what you did. Now, when you describe what it means to be an owner of your company, oh, I run this, I do this, I bring here to this, I do that, I host a podcast, I, I, I design the thing, I negotiate contracts, whatever all that stuff is. Oh, I'm looking for a negotiator of contracts. That wasn't told in just you being an owner. Right. So what's your, what's your big title? My big what's title? What's your official title? I mean, I'm assistant professor at City Tech. So there, yeah. Right. That tells me nothing. Exactly. I mean, it tells me everything. <laughs> but I, I think that's one of the things that... It's almost like we always need to follow up. And I think people are so locked into the title that they almost let that do the... Yes, I'm a f- assistant professor. That's all you need to know about me. Really? Okay, cool. Bye. That ends the conversation. Because we're not allowing anybody to really understand who we are. We think that that label defines us. And I honestly think that it's a part of us. We can't take it away. But it's not really us. Like, it's just the thing that kind of, like, dwindles down to, like, the simplest form of what we do. So we can say it, right? Because imagine this whole podcast, if I'm explaining something, and be like, oh, what was that podcast about? Process. Okay. So I can either tell you that, or you can listen to a conversation. The conversation is going to go, oh, wow, this is so possibly interesting. Process, because cool. Thanks. Right? And I think that's what I think we tend to do. We tend to, you know, simplify everything that we do to this one little nugget of information. And there's so much more behind what we do. So we maybe just don't realize it. We don't acknowledge that. And I think we have to do a better job of that. that, that that's fair. So we're going to be right back with uh, George. So you're, you're active, George, you're active in AIGA, right? Yep. All right. I did my, I always say I did my seven years on the board here in Nebraska. <laughs> it's been a while, but I haven't, I mean, I, this feels like a lifetime ago. Right. I still, I still attend events. Cool. So what are, what are you, what are you working on right now with AIGA? So in May, me and Nikita finished the second year of the AIGA Design and Business Conference. And what that was, was bringing business owners and studios together to discuss the way they work together, right? So bringing both sides of the table to a conference to, to kind of like talk about work and talk about the relationship building between those, how they work together, what was the best ways, what were some of the things that didn't work? And so we had that con- conference, it was virtual. And who was it with? Oh, Nikita Pope out in um, Atlanta. Okay. So she's going to be taking over actually as chair next year. So what we're doing at the AIGA is kind of saying there'll be co-chairs and a main, like a senior chair, and then somebody else is a co-chair to kind of learn the system, and then they'll take over and kind of do that so that we don't bring in somebody brand new every year and have to teach them from scratch. Right, which which I know all a lot of volunteer organizations use that model because it makes a lot of sense because they know with, with volunteers it's, there's going to be a rotation. Yeah. Usually. And it's the DNB, right? Yeah, Design and Business Conference. Okay. I always like it. I've never been, but my, my initials are DNB. <laughs> so there you go. So I'm like, I'm like, it must be for me. Yeah. 
DMB yeah. conf. There you go. Yeah. You yeah. could just use the hashtag and just and then just make it keep it going year round. Yeah, but I'm not volunteering, so I, 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 I should I should be like, no, no, I'm I'm good. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you and be like, look, Donovan needs to, he needs to uh, be part of this because he's already got the initials. Yeah. <laughs> like, is it is it gonna continue to be a virtual event? So I think we have to see how. I know that in right now, like you said, the portfolio review is happening right now. That's a virtual event. The Seattle event that'll happen in October is actually a in-person event, but it will have a virtual component to it. So I think maybe a lot of main stage things will be recorded so you have access to both in-person and um, not. And so what happens for it next year, that's really depending on Nikita, and I'm out of that, but me and Nikita have also added a component to the Design and Business Conference called The Bottom Line, which is we interview design businesses throughout the, the last Tuesday of every month and we host that so that other design owners and business owners can learn from those design businesses and so it's very intimate we kind of almost have like maybe 30 40 people max in a zoom room and they present how their business operates if it's an LLC uh, this it's two partners and then how it works and what that structure and basically then the other people who are in the room can actually ask those owners, so what did you do here? What was that challenge? And you know, so basically almost having like a round table in a physical place and it's all intimate. So it's, you don't have to worry about, you know, is this gonna be replayed in the, you know, on, on YouTube and everybody's gonna see my question and it was kind of silly. Nope, it's all just kind of behind the scenes. So as long as you pay for that, that either year-long subscription to that thing or individual talks because that's a brand you want to listen to. Like, it's all going to be just intimate and personal. And is the idea because I'm sure, there, I'm sure there's organizations that talk about how to run businesses and they're all over the place. But because we're the design world is so different that you... I mean, yes, we, are, we have design businesses, but they're not really run like a, like a store or, or right. like a other business right and so i think there's no real model to how to run a design business right? right like my design business theoretically is freelance right so i just do freelance and what does it mean how do you do your taxes for that you know your design business could be like brick and mortar i may have a physical location i gotta deal with rent i gotta deal like you know i don't have to pay anybody right so like we're all different in the way we approach that so it's like if when we started to think about who we're going to bring to this series we wanted to make sure we included all those different things you know, single run people. We had somebody who's a color specialist and how she, you know, understands and actually has picked the Pantone color of the year before Pantone even like. Oh, wow. Yeah. She was like, this is why it's going to happen. This is what this is because the world is going to crap and we need some kind of, you know, joy here and it's going to be purple. And then like a month later, the Pantone was like, it's purple. Like whatever the name was, but you know, theoretically it's still just purple. And so three times out of the last, I think seven years, she's been able to pick the color of the year oh she just kind of read the tea leaves yeah exactly and you know we had we had a, a, a motion group called and or in Brooklyn we interviewed I mean we learned from Armin Vitt and and Bryony from under consideration out, out in Bloomington they were just talking about their process and what it's like and just to be able to almost like be have an intimate conversation with these brands or these people that we've heard about and be in that kind of room to me I think that's really just special yeah, I mean, you get so much from it. So, where do people go to find out more about this? Is it just... Do you just so you go to AIGA, and I think there's a design and business section, 
either under conferences or resources. And then you have all of these different conferences or resources that you can go to. And every the, confer, the conversations from the brands, they've been recorded. So you could access just the part, but then when there's the Q&A session, that's been not recorded so it can kind of be very intimate. So if you still want to learn what and or or how Kryptony, you know, who picked the, the Pantone colors of the year, how she did it, you can still hear those. But the other conversations we had after her, we kind of like <laughs> turned the mic off so that it wouldn't record anymore. I guess when we talk about like these conferences about what's the value of the in-person, the content is, is kind of bent is, is out there a lot of times for the thing the value is the other stuff so yeah the value is the Q&A the meeting people in the hallway the networking and so it's very much in line with with like what a live conference would be is right that well if you were if you were at the live conference then then you got this extra thing that is a little different that gives you tidbits or that connects you better right and and you can't really replicate that and that was the purpose of saying let's have both options so some people just want to hear right like a podcast i just want to listen to it right cool i'm gonna you know do it while i'm doing something else right but some people want to like interact right and the ability the ability to have that same thing here i just want to be at the the you know table and hear that cool that's perfect or do i actually want to interact and meet somebody at the cooler and grabbing a coffee and be like, oh, did you see that? Oh, and just have this conversation that you would have never had, you know, virtually. And I think that's one of the interesting things, you know, to, to be part of live events again, is that kismet or to know like, oh, wow, I, I know who you, wait a second, didn't we, didn't we email, how do, oh, wow. Now it's great to see you in person. I was talking to somebody and it's like, don't you think that people seem taller in person? And I'm like, I didn't know that, but I was like, you know what? Right. We only see people from the, like, oh. the bus up. Like, I have no idea how tall you are. I, so I got, I, I picked up this client and they're, they're like just like 12 blocks away or something. <laughs> and they, it's funny because I've been dealing with them virtually and I get on this call and they'd start to mention something like, I thought you were like out of town. I'm like, no, I'm like 12 blocks from you. <laughs> but they picked me up virtually. I don't know how they found me through Google search or something. So, and then, but I finally had to go pick up something. I met the person, I thought you'd be taller. And I'm like, I'm sorry to disappoint. Right, exactly. What does that it mean? It was the opposite. I mean, my, my camera is set to where I thought I was like, <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were 6'7". What do you? Yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. I wish I was, I wish I was taller too. Right? Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, maybe, I don't know, you know. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't really have a say in the matter. So, what, you know. I know. <laughs> All right, what do you, what's the advice you got for the students that are graduating since you're, you're an educator? What do you tell your kids? Oh, man. Go to Omaha because that's where all the cool jobs are. Get out of this New York area. New York is competitive. But remote work, which is opening up across the country, gives a lot of people a lot more access. So, But also, it's, it, it sucks for some people because now those brands are coming to Omaha. They'll be like, cool, you can work remotely. Right? So you're theoretically taking a job away from my, my local kids in Brooklyn. Right, but I think the big thing is because I teach at a school that is predominantly eighty-seven percent multicultural. It's the fact that they have a voice and a perspective that people are looking for, and if they're able to tap in and understand what that voice and perspective is, people are going to hire them. But I think just society or the way people teach sometimes allows them to kind of be like 
there's one access point, there's one way to do a grid, or you only do a grid, you don't break the grid. I'm like, if you can explain to me why the grid needs to be broken, go for it, right? I think that we need to make sure we're not locking people's brains into there's only one approach to any of the stuff that we do, because we all know as we've been doing this for 10, 20 years, like what we thought worked doesn't work anymore, or what we thought was gonna work needed to shift because of just whatever happened that day, right? right? So to be to be malleable, to be you know agile, that is one of the things that you have to kind of you know bank on. So I think one of the things that we're gonna focus on is always making sure that you can think about this idea multiple ways. Because if I say, hey, we thought we had a million dollars to do it, and now we have ten, how are you gonna sort of pull that idea off? Right? Because that happens all the time. Oh, yeah, all the time. Right? You're like, oh my God, I had all this money. No, and they're clients like, never change budget or scope ever. No, come on. Never. Never. They are the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if you can be agile, if you can, if you can roll with it and learn that that is a method, that's going to be really important for you because then you're not going to be too disappointed when something does change, because it's gonna change. The scope is gonna change, the intention's gonna change, the logo is gonna change, the color is gonna change. Something is gonna adjust because the client's like, they saw something, their friend was like, oh, you should do it this way, and they're like, I trust you. Not the person who's actually doing the work and been got an education in this or just been doing it for 15 years. You, you saw a TV show, and you, you know better. Right. So you're gonna have to adjust. Right? And you're going to be frustrated or defend your design decisions and, and let them know why your idea is better. But you can't come out there and be like, well, because I like blue, that's why I chose this color. Nope, it's not going to cut it. It never actually did cut it. But the more you start to think about how you bring that stuff to the table is going to be really important. And, and clients will question and they will take outsiders' opinions. Of course. And they will always do that. I don't think that'll ever change. Right. But that's always happened, yeah. right? I mean, when you think about our parents, and I mean, I'm assuming that most people's creative parents are not as creative as, like, you know, them, right? So they don't really understand what you do, right? But you have to get their opinion because they're the general audience that may look at it, right? And if they, if they look at it and go, I'm not going to take design decisions from that. But if they go, like, why would you say those words? I would never be attracted to that. you got to be like, okay. You're not talking about design, but you're talking about you would never actually be like attracted to that set of words that's on that poster and I'm designing this for people like you, yeah, okay, that's, that's something I have to consider, right? So even though we're, we're taking opinions from outside, you gotta be like, that may be the audience though. <laughs> that I had is a job, I think the, the, the best advice I got from the job was like from uh, one of the technical writers. You know, I would, I would run ideas past them because they had the, the best perspective on who, who I th must have been who the audience was or something. It wasn't necessarily the other people. Right. Like, you'd show them rough stuff and be like, hey, what do you think about these directions? And they would just, because they just looked at, I think they just knew how to look at the messaging. Right. That's the point. Yeah. Right? It's like also bringing the people that know are going to help you with those specific things versus trying to make it look so perfect, look so beautiful, be, you know, an award-winning, I'm gonna set, you know, submit this to XYZ and get a gold pencil, get an AIGA award, get a, you know, a this, an Emmy, whatever. When you're focusing on doing it for those things, 
Now, the exception, I think, is when the audience is like designers, then, then by all means. Of course. Yeah. Right. Because that's your audience. Right. Then, if you're, I, yeah. Right. When you're like designing craft beer, you know, branding, you know that craft beer people have an eye for that. Yeah, they also have a palette for it, so they also they, so those two things are kind of symbiotic. But when you look at that, that's why a lot of craft beer branding has that same old school feel because they're like they want to like where it comes from. And a lot of people, you know, I would say designers, they start going for that, right? Yeah. They buy packaging. Yeah. They're like, I will buy that can just because it's it's cool as hell. This is the worst thing I've ever drank, but I will save that can because it's amazing. But I'm gonna buy another six pack next week. Right. Yeah. We're suckers for that. Yeah. I will buy, buy a design book because it has a good cover. Did I read the book? Mm, I don't know. Looks but, good on the shelf. But it looks good on the shelf. It's funny. But we do a lot of that stuff. And so, right, learning, you know, knowing who your audience obviously is going to be that. And so when you're doing for things like, like you know, journals and, and, and things, that's where you start to up the ante and, and focus on how it looks because we know that's what people are looking for. All right. Well, George, thank you so much for your time. Good luck on, on the rest of the on the podcast and the talk. Thank you. And Thank hopefully, you. Hopefully, you can get this microphone ripped off and thrown on the stage, maybe stomped on, and then and then um, make sure to catch the exits. And then I will just say, Bill, you for whoa, any incidentals. Whoa, 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 no. Any whoa, in, no. incidentals. And then and then I can, think I, wait, going, can, can I use the blue? Can I use the blue Letty and, and, and Yeti and just you know? Oh, you, you want to destroy my microphone? No. I like when I, I like the idea, but no. <laughs> um, and then I think it's just straight down this road is is where the happy hour is. So, oh, so, so wait, we'll okay, so throw there. throw the mic down, run out the front door, and just go straight down the road. Yeah, yeah, just lead lead the charge to the happy hour. Straight okay, to the quads, whatever you need to do. Peter Piper and everybody just follow me. Yeah, it is hot as hell. In, um, it is. In, <laughs> and it's going to be warm this afternoon. Yeah, so I don't know if, if, if running with a with a hot mic is going to be anything to do right, today. Well, we're going to play this one by ear. Maybe, <laughs> Thank maybe you. check back in a few weeks and then we'll have an update of what happened or probably not. I'll probably never mention this again. Thanks, George. <laughs> the Reflex Blue Show with Donovan Murray is hosted at 36point.com. Music by Dust Lab. Thank you.